This is RAF with Tony Tone and LA. A.K.A. The Love Ambassador, coming live, straight and direct from the Jungle Studios. Now, what you just heard there was the one and only Netflix Slim, with one of the most popular recorded songs ever, Every Day I Have the Blues. Now, this is obviously part of our Blues series, Episode 4, and it comes by special request, um by my, well, I guess I could call him my brother. He's my very best friend, uh, former housemate, and fellow blues advocate. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, Alex, he called me up and said, listen, man, give me a bit of Memphis Slim on. So here we are, ready to rock and roll. Alex, miss you, mate, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, Memphis Slim is obviously, apart from being a singer, a very world-renowned piano player and what's interesting about the piano is that what we now consider rock and roll had its origins in what was called a few things it was like boogie woogie stride a few other bits and pieces which basically was um what memphis slim was a maestro of on the keys and that started off in sort of the juke joints down south of America, and then eventually found itself into popular culture with the likes of sort of Fats Domino, Little Richard, and then so on and so forth. It kind of changed and transcended into what we see today, rock and roll music. So when they say that all um, music has its roots, then when you look at a lot of popular music today, you could probably argue to a certain extent that Memphis Slim is the roots of the tree. He was born on September 3rd, 1915, and he died on February 24th, 1988. Uh, he led a series of bands that reflected the popular appeal of jump blues, including saxophones, bass, drums, and piano. A song he first cut in 1947, Every Day I Have the Blues, which you just heard, has become a blues standard recorded by many other artists and has been made over 500 recordings. He was born John Lee Chapman, in Memphis, Tennessee, freaking awesome place to visit, by the way, uh, especially in Bill Street, awesome, awesome place. Don't know about the NBA team, but it's cancelled for the season, so I don't have to worry about that. For his first recordings for O'Care Records in 1940, he used the name of his father, Peter Chapman, who sang, played piano and guitar and operated jute joints. It is commonly believed that he did so to honour his father. He started performing under the name Memphis Slim later that year, but continued to publish songs under the name Peter Chapman. He spent most of the 1930s performing in honky-tonks, 
a lot of you that know the Rolling Stones will know the Honky Tonk Woman, but basically Honky Tonks, they had Honky Tonks dance halls and gambling joints, because during the segregation of America, black people and white, black people, and white people couldn't mix. Uh, so because of that and because of the rural settings of a lot of the black population, small little sheds and sometimes even nightclubs would set up, and that was the main focus of their the people's night out on, uh, you know, the Friday night and Saturday night, and, of course, on Sunday morning, get straight to the Lord and church. Now, when we sort of say juke joints or whatever, the likes of Memphis Slim and, obviously, his father and a lot of other cats, especially on the Keys, that's where they really cut their teeth. And the reason why it has such a dancing kind of feel to it is the very reason of getting people to get up and dance and some of the slower things, are obviously, to, well, you said, you always get a bit of a reflection on life. So he sort of cruised around uh, West Memphis, Arkansas, and Southeast Missouri, and he settled in Chicago in 1939 and began teaming up with the guitarist and singer Big Bill Bronzy in clubs soon afterwards. In 1940 and 41, he recorded two songs for Bluebird Records that became part of his repertoire for decades Beer Drinking Woman and Grinder Man Blues. Now, what we shall do for the moment is have a quick listen to Beer Drinking Woman. into Bill Tavern to give a girl a nice time. When I did I had forty-five dollars. When I left, I had one dime. Why not a beer drinking woman? Don't you know, man? Don't you know? She was a beer drinking woman. I don't want to see her no more. So that there is Beer Drinking Woman, which was another one of his hits. Um, now, uh, basically he went on to perform with the likes of uh, Sonny Boy Williamson, who was the first, Washboard Sam, Jazz Gillum. Uh, to cut you the long story short, he did multiple recordings, especially after World War II, uh, including what would be now known as a sort of smaller version of big bands uh, with sort of the sax, bass, drums and everything like that. Started working in late 1945 and recorded with Trias with small Chicago-based high-tone records. He even had the one and only Willie Dixon playing on some of his music. Uh, so we scroll through sort of the 40s. He seems to have considerable amount of hits from Rockin' the House, Messing Around, Harlem Bound, and in 1947, the day after producing a concert by Slim Bronzy and Williamson at New York City's Town Hall, the folklorist Alan Lomar brought the three musicians to the Decca Record Studios and recorded with Slim on vocal and piano. Lomar presented sections of the recording on BBC Radio in the early 1950s as a documentary. Uh, it's obviously politically incorrect now to say it, but the words of you know, the documentary has started. The Art of the Negro is what it was called. Later, he had um, EPs and everything off of that. He went on to release in 1949 a song titled Nobody Loves Me. It became as famous by Every Day I Have the Blues. It was recorded in 1950 by Lowell Folsom, but it went on to be gone by the likes of Jimi Hendrix, Carlos Santana, John Mayer, Mahalia Jackson, Ray Charles, Elmore James, B.B. King, a few more. 
Uh, Joe Williams recorded it in 1952, and the remix of 1956 was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1992. So throughout the 1950s, he seems to go through multiple sort of record companies um, and doing a large, large output, not only on his own music, but also backing up a lot of the great blues musicians. He had was never part of Chess Records, but he had a sort of relationship with a lot of the musicians. After a year with Mercury Records, Slim signed the United Records in Chicago, and this would go on to lead to him teaming up with the legendary Matt Guitar Murphy. Uh, those of you that have watched The Blues Brothers, that's uh, Aretha Franklin's husband in the film. That would be him. He keeps pumping out hits, Gotta Find My Baby, Rockin' the Blues, and so on and so forth. And then outside of America, he starts touring in the folk festivals um, in 1960 to 1962. In 1962, he permanently moves to Paris, but before we go into that, we'll play a little bit more of his tunes. Now, I want to play something a little bit more, uh, yeah, a little bit more sort of funky, I guess you could say. <laughs> see as time kind of goes on he goes from sort of a laid-back sort of style and sort of a stride on the piano to really funking it up and this was quite common among a lot of blues musicians who started off with sort of the rural south went up to Chicago where they started to get sort of into sort of the electrified subversions of their music and by the 60s in particular by the time they're sort of influencing with Chicago, uh, Detroit, um, going over to Europe, you sort of see their styles start to change a lot and really become almost, you could say, like a precursor to sort of like the funk sort of soul music and leads into it. Like I said, in 1962, Slim moved permanently to Paris and his engaging personality and well-honed presentation of playing, singing and storytelling about the blues secured his position as one of the most prominent blues artists for nearly three decades. He appeared on television in numerous European countries, acted in several French films and wrote the score of A Noir de France, 1970, and performed regularly in Paris throughout Europe. In the latter years of his life, he teamed up with respected jazz drummer George Collier, and the two toured Europe together and became friends. After Collier died in August 1987, Slim rarely appeared in public, although he united with Matt Guitar Murphy for a gig at Anton's in Austin in Texas 1987. Two years before his death, Slim was named a commander in the Ordeur d'Arts de et de Lettres by the Ministry of Culture of the Republic of France, in addition, the U.S. Senate honoured Slim with the title of Ambassador at Large of Goodwill. He died of renal failure on February 24, 1988, at the age of 72, and he was buried back down in the legendary Memphis, Tennessee. His 
Postmodiously inducted in the Blues Hall of Fame in 1989 and inducted in the Memphis Music Hall of Fame in 2015. On 25th, 2019, like happened with many of the blues artists, his, uh, a lot of his material was lost in the 2008 Universal Music Fire. Um, I'm going to play a quick tune and then I'll uh, come back with my sort of final thoughts. <coughs> see there's a big difference with sort of Memphis styles. For me personally I think that Memphis Slim's contribution to not just blues music but music generally uh, cannot and should not ever be underestimated. I think also um, it's an interesting thing as a piano player uh, myself I always felt that you know maybe I'm also a bit biased about it because Blues musicians, it's always the guitarist that's sort of front and centre that gets all the the attention and the fame and whatnot. And atypically, the blues musicians were rocking the guitar. I think Memphis Slim not only bucked the trend by by bringing the piano to the lot, but he highlighted such an important um, an important avenue of not only um, music but also sort of his con his his reflection on what was happening in America. I mean, the fact that he moved over to Paris to obviously escape the uh, the troubled times in the States in the 60s is also speaks uh, volumes upon itself. And also the difference in the way that he was also uh, received in Europe and getting all the rewards and everything like that. Uh, I guess in closing, I, I would like to say that, you know, for all those people that are looking into whatever instruments, and if you you do like blues, it doesn't matter what you play, what Memphis Slimmer showed is there's an avenue for you in order to get involved in the bands and groove on, baby! Yeah!